Okay, Boker Tover on Daf Ches Amid Bey's third line from the top. We're talking about um, various laws of mourning, so to speak, that could impinge on one's Chol Hamoed. So now we're going to have another brief Mishnah and Gemara that continues the topic, but now we're talking about certain burial uh, tombs in terms of can we make them, can we repair them, and things like that. Okay, now let's just have a little bit of a background. Okay, it was common in the days of the Talmud to prepare burial places in advance so that they would be available when needed. Because, can't always, remember, nowadays it's simple, you just call up the funeral home, the tractor's there, digs out the ground, but uh, when you have to do it by human hand or things like that, it's not, not so easy to do on the spot. Anyway, so they prepare burial places. This cannot be done on Chol HaMoed to prepare. You don't need it, mainly, well, two reasons, but the main one is it involves a lot of labor, strenuous labor. What if you need it on Chol HaMoed? You mamish need it then you can prepare it. That's a simple reading according to Rashi. So the Mishnah says, Ein chofrim kuchin ukvaros bamoid. We do not prepare burial niches or burial tombs during Cholamoid. Again, they would have many of the uh, cemeteries were really catacombs where they were carved into the mountain. And you car it was very hard work carving in spaces. You you have a, a area to walk into the mountain, and then you'd have a little section here, and the little niches all over, and that's where the people would be interred. They build them in Israel now too. Yes. They're running out of space. Yeah, the, they don't the dig them out. They build them. Like no, now it's like different that. now. Building, the whole Not a it's a mountain. It's in a mountain, right? Not I think they just build a building and they, they put and make slots. It's, and but stuff. it's got to be in the ground. They put know. earth inside the things. Uh, all right. Yeah, that's what they do. I'm surprised you don't have space in Israel, but I guess they, they don't. They don't have space in Israel. That's exactly they have so many mountains where they can't uh, build anything there. I saw one under construction. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. So that is what the Mishnah says. We can't dig these things. However, some repairs can be done. But we can adapt burial niches on Cholomoy. That means that they can be, let's say, lengthened or shortened. Okay? So uh, what they're saying is the restriction against making new niches or tomes pertains only to those that are not needed for Cholomoy. But the permission to adapt also applies to those in this category. So one might wonder why adapting is permitted. Although it's not as strenuous as creating new ones, it's still it's strenuous because you're, you're making it bigger, you're making it smaller. So uh, Ramban explains that since all people eventually need to be buried, that's a nice way of looking at it, the preparation of burial vaults is considered a public necessity. The rule is that a non-immediate public necessity, excessive exertion, and professional work are permitted, but prohibited, prohibited, and normal labor is permitted. 
So we learned earlier, for example, that new water cisterns cannot be dug on Cholomite for non-immediate use, but existing ones can be repaired even though they're not needed immediately. So the digging of burial vaults is a non-immediate necessity that is analogous to the preparation of water cisterns. New burial vaults can't be built, but existing ones can be adjusted. That's the way Rambam and the Rush learn. So in other words, there is a general need. So if it's not that strenuous, you can do it. But if, uh, if, if, if to make a whole brand new one, that you cannot do. That's the way the Rambam and the Rush learn. Others reject the notion that the digging of extra burial plots is in the category of a public necessity. Rather, explain the mission is referring to burial vaults that are needed for immediate use on Cholamoid. Therefore, a new niche or two may not be made even for a dead person since there's no pressing need to bury the deceased in this type of a vault. In other words, you gotta have a regular grave. You wanna have a fancy schmancy vault. Okay, however, an existing niche or tomb can be adapted for Cholamoid. If the niche or tomb is not needed immediately, even adapting it is forbidden. If a person died and no niche or tomb is available for adaptation, a simple pit, like a modern-day grave, would be fine. So those are the two different ways of looking at it. Uh, yeah, you want to have the nicest cemetery plot? So go make it before Cholamoid. That's all. I don't think the but it's talking about one they didn't need it's that more is talking about, though you do not need for now if you do need for now then it's that's a yeah but it, so it's talking about you don't need it right because you don't need only when it's only comparable when you don't need it on colloid that's what he's saying. If you don't need it on Cholomoid, so it's a general community need, okay, if there's not a lot of labor necessary. But if you mamish need it on Cholomoid, there's no water to drink, of, yeah. of course you'd be fixing it. So that's the two shatim reflect that here as well. Okay, what else can, so, so far, that's what you can do. Now the question is exactly to what extent. Oop, and we can create a wash pond on Cholamoid. In other words, you can dig a pit in which to wash laundry. Why? Because it doesn't involve a lot of labor, according to Rashi. Not, not a lot. It's not a huge pond. How much space do you need to wash clothes? It's not like a, a pond pond. You know, where you're boating and things like that. Now, there is a problem, though. Wait a minute. Laundering is not normally allowed on Cholamoid. But under certain circumstances, it is. I will learn in the next paragraph. Next paragraph. So the Tanir permits digging pounds for those exceptional cases where they're needed for immediate use. Okay. Why do we put this halach in who has nothing to do with death? Because it's dealing with digging. Once you're talking about digging, you talk about digging. That's one explanation. Another explanation, we're talking about the ponds used for making a tahara on the dead, <coughs> washing the dead and the shrouds that need to be washed. So that's allowed. Okay, now what else can you make? Now what about making a coffin? 
So you can construct a coffin in the courtyard with the deceased. What? Why is that? In other words, so everyone knows what you're doing. In other words, you're done in the same courtyard in where the deceased is lying. He's covered, obviously. But, uh, and then you're allowed to saw the boards for the path and put it together. And everyone knows why you're doing it because you see there's a corpse in the courtyard. But if the corpse is not in the same courtyard, it's not allowed because people will think you're making a shtender or something else, which is not essential for Cholomoyed. If, however, the deceased is well known or in a small community where everybody knows everything, then the corpse does not have to be in the courtyard because everyone knows there's a funeral today and they're breaking the coffin for that. Okay? However, this is not agreed by everybody. Rabbi Yehuda Oser, Rabbi Yehuda forbids this, making the coffin. Ella imkain yeishimon asarim, unless there are boards with him. In other words, Rabbi Yehuda prohibits the sawing of boards from raw lumber, even in a courtyard where the deceased is lying, because that will involve excessive exertion. Therefore, he forbids the construction of a coffin unless the boards were previously prepared. Okay, I don't think this is an issue nowadays because there's plenty coffins ready for people. But that again is how, what is this thing? Now, the Gemara wants to get into some detail because we talked about kuchin and kvaros, two types of burial places. So now the Gemara just wants to know, there's going to be a lot of very small pieces now. Just wants to, what are they by definition? My kuchin or my kvaros? What are kuchin, these niches? And what are kvaros, what are these tombs? Amr of Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, kuchin, oh, here's a, can you, can you see the picture well? Big enough? Oh, I can do this. Oh. Kuchin b'chavira, kuchin niches are made by digging into the walls of a crypt. Okay? So therefore, you've got a subterranean crypt and you're making horizontal recesses. Each recess is large enough to contain a corpse. The niches served as the actual graves with the corpse being slid into each one. So there you have eight. So you have the first crypt is like the chutzer, like the courtyard, so to speak, because you have to have room to maneuver. You got to get in. Once you get in, boom, so they put, let's say. It's not in a mountain, it's in the in the ground. Well, either either it's down in the ground or in a mountain. Here, it, it, it can, yeah, it could be done in either way. So really there's a lot of digging because yeah. you have to go down. First you have to make steps yeah, yeah. to go down. It's like digging a basement almost. Right. And you have to dig in a whole area that's underneath and then you're digging through there. So that's what you cannot do. That's the chafira. Ukvaros, and we're talking about a tomb that means bebinion, a building above the ground. As you'll, you'll find in some cemeteries, a very special person will have, it's like a little house. Um, they, don't, they don't do that with uh, Jews, or, do they? But this is Jews. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's, I, I, I was curious because I thought dust to dust, it had to be put into the ground. He is above, in the ground. Above, above no, no, but it's 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 a, but it's a burial chamber made out of of stone that's covering him up. So he's okay. he is got ground around. That's what Avner it's just roll. 
mountaintops over there. It's they're on top, and there's a rock over them. Tanya Nameochi. We have a price that supports this idea. It says Elohein Kuchin veElohein Kfaras. These are niches and these are tombs. Kuchin bechafira. Niches are made by digging. Ukfaros bebinyan and tombs are made by building above the ground. Okay, next small part. But we can adapt those niches, making them bigger or smaller, depending on which commentary you held like. How do you adapt the niches? says, It was too long. They made it shorter. Okay. So, Santana, and we learned also in Abraisa, You can lengthen the niche or widen it as necessary. So the Bryce has an extra leniency, not only a shortening, which is relatively easy, but lengthening or widening, which involves a bit more strenuous labor, is still allowed. Okay, fine. I don't know why they have to more shortening. You can always put the coffin inside, and so it's deeper inside. Why do you have to shorten the niche? Uh, I don't... Maybe for an adjacent, maybe, maybe for an adjacent catacomb that needs some of the space. Maybe it's too long. To, or a child. Okay. Next, we'll see. Nivrechus can make this pond. My Nivrechus, what is a wash pond? I'm Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda says, Zubakia. This is a bakia, a pond. <laughs> okay. Vahatanya, uh, we learn in a brisa, hanivreches vehabakia. It says hanivreches, which we defined as a as a wash pond and a bakia and a wash pond. So it can't be hanivreches can't be a bakia if it says two separate things in a brisa. Amar Abayi, same Rav he says gia ubargia. Hanivreches in a bakia is a primary pond. And a secondary pond. In other words, the Nifreches was a relatively large pond in which all the laundry water was gathered, and the Bikia was a small adjacent pool that was connected by a channel for the overflow. Fine. And you can make the uh, coffin for the court in the courtyard if the deceased is there or it is well known why you're doing this. We have learned in our Mishnah that which the rabbis taught us in a price. In other words, this Mishnah corroborates what we've already learned in a price that says, You can do all the needs of the dead to prepare them for burial on Cholomite, such as, We can cut his hair for him. We wash his shroud for him. We make a coffin. Minasarim from boards, also minasarim, okay, from boards. Hamunusarim erev yantav. They already cut on erev yantav. That fit the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda in the earlier mission. You already have the boards. Rabbi Gam Shimbagam Lil Amar Shimbagam Lil says Af may be an eight sinum minasarim betzim So he's more. He argues says you can even bring wood and saw them into boards privately in the horse in the house. Where the court within the courtyard where the corpse is, so that's the same as we had in the Mishnah before. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel concurs with the Tanakhama, the Mishnah that allowed everything, while the other rabbi said, "No, you can't do that." Okay, note however that although they are in agreement concerning the basic law, there's a subtle difference between them. 
Tanakama, the Mishnah, stated merely that the coffin may be built in the same courtyard as the corpse, implying that even the sawing of lumber can take place in the courtyard. Shingom Lil states that if the lumber must be sawed, it should be done in the privacy of the house, not side of the, outside of the courtyard. The assembly can be in the courtyard. So there's a little machlokas. If you, uh, if you do say you may cut the, uh, the wood, does it have to be in the house or can it also be in the courtyard where the corpse is? End of that <laughs> topic. Next, Mishnah. Let's be a little more cheery discussion. Can you get married on Chol Hamoed? That is a discussion, and you could see why people would want to. It's a happy time. It's a happy a, it's a happy time, but better reason. Not working. You're not working, and you already have to prepare meals anyway. So that's why, for example, in Europe, long ago, many marriages were Friday afternoon. Why? Because you have to make a Shabbos meal anyway, and that'd be the mer- the meal for the, the wedding meal. People didn't have that much money to blow. Okay, so you have to. Uh, so, so therefore, it would make a lot of sense that uh, you get married on Cholamayim. A lot of sense for many reasons. Yet, the Mishnah is, is talking. You may not do this now. The Mishnah is when it says a nosin. Mishnah speaking of Nisuin, the second stage of marriage, where the wife enters the husband's home and the marriage is consummated. Okay, we'll see an Erisin, which is only an engagement. Remember the times of the Talmud. Erisin was, you say, that's it. She goes back to her father's house. He goes back to his house. They don't see each other for a year. We're not talking about that. We'll see in the later chapter why that is allowed to be done a Here we're talking about the actual marriage where there'll be a meal and everything. So we don't uh, do that. And who do we not do it with? Lobasulus, whether the woman is a virgin, Vlahomonas, or whether they are widows. Number one. Also, if there's a miss of Yibum, if, for example, a brother dies without any children, and the other brother in the days of the Torah was to do yibum, we don't do yibum either to have this second marriage. Now the answer seems to be very fascinating and the more is going to be asking what is the problem with this idea. And the reason why it's not allowed in either case, because it, any of those ceremonies, is a source of joy. So the question is, what's the matter? It's a time of joy anyway. So we're going to see why. Ooh. Now, the arranging of these three rules fits into a low zoo af zoo scenario. Not only in this case, but even in this case. In other words, not only is it forbidden to marry a virgin on Cholamoyed, where there is the most joy, right? Being a virgin, first wife, first marriage, most joy. But even marrying a widow, where there's less joy, because it's not the first wedding, is not allowed. In addition, not only does the ruling apply to the case of a widow, but even the case of Yibum, we might, might assume they'll be permitted since there's a bond already linking the Yavum and the Yavama. She's not allowed to be with anybody else until she gets this, which would might say, well, let's do it sooner than later, but even that is not allowed. We'll have to see why this cannot be done. However, there are certain marriages that are not that happy at all. Uh-huh. Oh, for a thief, maybe. 
Aval Maxeras Grishoso, if you want to remarry your divorced wife. You got married to a woman, you divorced her, and now you want to marry her again. So you're allowed to do it. Yeah. If she doesn't marry What's someone else in between. What? Because it's you know we've already been together, we've been through a lot. So it's not it's not that exciting, it's not that much it's nothing nothing new, so to speak. So okay, it's a joy, but much less joy. It's like, oh tail between your legs. No matter even if you're married to a widow, but it's still the first time you're marrying her, there's a little bit of excitement, somebody new in your life. This not just this is a woman, it's, it's kind of bittersweet or sweet bitter. I don't know what you want to call it. If you got divorced already, there, there was problems. And now you're bringing back. Okay, it's nice. It is a simcha, but a much less simcha. Okay, what else can women do? Let's do with other personal ideas of hygiene and grooming. A woman can make her adornments during cholamoid. That's personal hygiene and grooming, like cosmetics and things like that. What about Yibum? And, uh, Yibum, you can't do that. Chalitza. Could you do that? It's not exactly joyful. That's not... Yibum. We'll have to see. What about a divorce? Hmm. Oh. So we will see. There's, no, a divorce there, wouldn't be allowed. There, that's, that would be there'd very be, unhappy. There'd be reason to think not to because yes. it's not a happy situation. Yeah, could be happy. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> One part anyway, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Rabbi Yehuda says, Lo tosud, she may not apply lime to her skin as a depilatory. Because it's a disfigurement for her while that's going on. In other words... If you ever see, you know, women when they put all this stuff on them, they look really ugly until they take it off, etc., etc. Uh, because the lime creates a reddish complexion, etc. So it doesn't beautify her as much as she's trying to get rid of the extra hair. It's not a beautification. Since the lime is a disfigurement while it's on her, now it's going to come off later, and it therefore causes her distress. She may not apply nachalamoid. Even though improvement events will ultimately result when the lime is removed, so in other words, it's at a, it's an extent. It's not like nowadays you go to the anesthetist, you just and it's gone. It's a whole process, putting lime on and keeping it for a while. It's not exactly uh, similarly when women put the what do you call it to make their gray hair become a regular color. Peroxide, whatever. So they have that thing on there. They don't really look very attractive. Uh, while that's all on and it takes a couple hours, etc., etc. So, you know, it's better time than cholamoid to do that. Do it before cholamoid, not on cholamoid. Other things, this is unrelated now. What about sewing? Hahediot tofer kedarko. An unskilled person may sew in his usual manner. We're going to describe later on what's between skilled and unskilled. But the mission permits only to garments that are needed for the festival. A button fell off. I need the button. So a regular guy is not an expert. He'll put it on, but it's not going to be so skilled. Remember, we'll see some of the things you're not allowed to do is skilled labor. So a regular person, okay, you put it on, but it's not, you need it, but it's not done in a skilled way. You don't take it to the uh, tailor to get a professional job. Okay? Also, but, oh, when it's a, what if a professional, professional could also lose a button? What do you want from him? Or something else. Well, woman machlif. 
A skilled person must use irregular stitches, which we'll discuss what that is. You make be not so professional when you're doing it. What else do we have? What about beds? And we may interlace supports for beds. Remember, they've had ropes across with the supports. The art of interlacing is similar to weaving, except that interlacing, there's open space between the ropes. So you can do that because you need it for a bed. Well, we may tighten them. We'll see what the machlokas is. Is it building from the beginning, tightening, etc., etc.? Okay, now we're gonna. That's the end of the Mishnah. We begin the Gemara now, which talks about you can't get married because it's joy, and the Gemara right, right away jumps on this. So what's the problem? The guy's got joy. Is joy forbidden at a festival? So Amar Rabbi Yehuda Amar Shmuel, Rabbi Yehuda Amar Shmuel says, V'chein Amar Rabbi Lazar Amar Rabbi Yoshaya, which he also says, V'Amar Rabbi Lazar says, it's Amar Rabbi Lazar Ben Amar Rabbi Chanina says, L'fi she'ein ma'arven simcha v'simcha. We don't intermingle one joyous occasion with another joyous occasion. In other words, we, have, we don't multitask joy. You, you should every happy occasion should be fully devoted to that occasion. We'll see a source for that in a minute. Because, okay, you're happy you're getting married. So now, how much of your brain cells are focusing on the happiness of the marriage? How much of your brain cells are focusing on the happiness of the yontif? It can't be full. Okay? And what Hashem really, what you see on the deeper level is to be psychologically in, uh, pr- in the pres- present in oh, the presence Yontif has its unique joy that should not be minimized and w- marriage is also has a unique joy we don't mix two joyful occasions with another because it takes away from the joy of each and every one of them that is one answer Rav Barahuna Omar he says ishto because the groom will put aside the joy of the festival and involve himself with the joy of his wife. Similar idea, but I guess a little bit stronger. Now, Amalei Abayi Rav Yosef, so Rabbi says to Rav Yosef, this statement of Rav Barhuna, which was the first statement, it has its source in Rav. Why? To Amar Rav, uh, Daniel Barkatino Omarav, it was the name of Rav. How do we know we don't marry women on Cholamoid? Shenemar, as the Torah says, you'll rejoice in your holiday. In your holiday, and not in your wife. Now, remember, we had two reasons that were given beforehand. What was the difference between the first and second reason? According to the first reason, it says you don't mix simchas. Okay. Uh, so any joyous occasion, not just marriage, would not be allowed. Whatever the simcha would be, you don't do it. Because you only yontev and nothing else, right? However, according to the second reason, the prohibition applies to the joy of marriage. For the reasons start, stated by Rabbi Baravuna, he's going to go to this simcha and give up the other simcha. If it's maybe a lesser simcha, maybe that won't interfere. In addition, 
v'samachta b'chagecha clearly excludes only marriage, okay, and not other things. So there's subtle differences between that. So those are, in general, the two answers are pretty much though along the same lines. In other words, somehow you're going to be diminishing the yont of simcha. So depending on what level of simcha, will that cause diminishment? So it's a subtle machlokas, but it's a general one opinion. Two simchas at one time doesn't work. Ula has a whole different answer why you don't do this, and this also makes sense. Ula Omar, you know why? Because there's a lot of effort for, to prepare for a wedding. Okay, remember, you can't do excessive effort. So according to Ula, the Mishnah's words, I, what does me say? It's just simcha hilo. It's a source of joy. That since the marriage, the joyous occasion for the groom, we're concerned he'll overexert himself in preparing for the wedding festival. The Mishnah says it's a simcha. So now we have two fundamentally different ways to understand it. One is having a simcha of marriage, which will take away from the simcha of Yantif, or even that takes away from the marriage simcha. The other one is it's a simcha, and therefore we make a lot of effort, and you're not allowed to overexert yourself. A wedding meal is going to be more elaborate than a regular Sukkot meal or a Pesach meal that you have in your house. Okay, that's a second answer. Now here comes a most clever and counterintuitive, but it makes sense, third answer. From Yitzchak Nafchamar, Mipnei Bitol Piria Varivya, because this will neglect the mitzvah of propagation. You're saying, what? It should be the opposite. What do you mean? You're getting married so you could propagate. Why are you neglecting it? Fascinating answer. He said, we allow people to get married in Cholomite. People won't get married all year. They'll delay the marriages because they want to combine the wedding feast with the festival feast. So they get engaged, let's say, in May, right? So let's get married in June, July. No, no, no. Let's wait till October because that's Yontif. Whoa, so now you're delaying having children for no reason other than convenience. Now, we're not saying you can't delay weddings for good reasons, but this is not a good reason. You know, if you could say there's no catering halls available, okay. But here, yeah, I can do it, but I want to save a little money. So to save a little money, that should not be a consideration. Also, people would postpone their weddings until Cholomite when work is forbidden. Listen, getting married is an expensive proposition. I get married to you, I'm not allowed to work for a week. You know how much money I'm going to lose? But Cholomoyed, I'm not allowed to work, so I'm already off, so let me take care of that. Either way, what's going to happen? It's going to delay the fulfillment of having children. Interestingly, the prohibition extends even the one who already has children from a previous marriage, as the rabbis do not make an exception when they issue a decree. Now, according to Rabbi Yitzhak Nafka, the Mishnah's words, Mibnesha Simcha Hilo, so now what does the Mishnah mean when it says Simcha Hilo for this reason? mean that since the festival is a time of joy which requires a feast, the groom will delay the wedding so to combine the wedding feast with the festive meal. Good place to stop. Uh, upon further analysis, I don't think we'll have a class tomorrow because I really have to get out early to make it on time for the wedding to avoid traffic. So no class tomorrow, Thursday. Friday morning, we'll have the um, prayer class as usual. Okay. okay. We'll learn tonight. Tonight, we have Rambo. Okay, perfect place to start. Right in the